Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank's Musings. And to begin with the first musing today is Martha's Vineyard. And I think it is absolutely spectacular and the cat's meow that immigrants got flown to Martha's Vineyard. It was a perfect idea and maybe a political ploy and maybe the person that thought of it is getting too much attention, but the idea of sending them to Martha's Vineyard is a conversation starter. The conversation has begun for too long immigration and what to do with people crossing our southern borders has been not on anyone's mind, anyone's agenda. And Martha's Vineyard is the perfect place that they should have gone to, the number of them, I don't know, 50 to 100 of them. And I really believe Charlie Baker has made a tremendous, terrible mistake by bringing him to Otis Air Force Base, the old Otis Air Force Base on the Cape. Martha's Vineyard has the housing. People aren't there anymore. You know, you probably could rent some housing very cheaply, or maybe even some of the uh, immigrants from Venezuela uh, could even take care of the houses in the grounds. It's a small enough group that employment, even though this is a, a, an off season, there's many people looking for jobs, even on a Martha's Vineyard. There's a lot of construction, a lot of uh, building labor, uh, people commute between the mainland and uh, Martha's Vineyard because they can't afford to live on Martha's Vineyard. But I think this community, being not a very large community, a somewhat smaller community, certainly could have absorbed them, uh, certainly could have used them, and certainly would have been a great demonstration not only for Massachusetts and uh, that particular community, but set a precedence that I think needs to be followed. We need to begin to have people transported to smaller communities. Now, I realized that people like to be with ethnic people. And in other words, Franklin, uh, mass when uh, Italians began and sit or Sicilians began to come into Franklin, it was almost you know who whoever got here first from what village they came. Other people from the same village came. Other relatives came, uh, and that has been the tradition. Uh, you go to uh, uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts. You know, the Irish came, so people from the same uh, county or Cork. Uh, Lawrence right now is pretty much either Dominican or Puerto Rican. But I believe, because my high school experience, my work experience, my experience says that the more diversity, the more diversity in culture, the more diversity uh, in religion, the more diversity in thought, the better the community is going to be. And bringing these individuals to Martha's Vineyard, if they stayed there, I think could have been easily absorbed. They had the educational 
facilities all set up. And many smaller uh, communities, I think, would do, do, be doing a lot of justice for themselves and for the uh, immigrants that are, are coming uh, across the border uh, to be transported into these and assimilated into these communities. Uh, let's talk about uh, immigration for a moment. You know, in the 19th and 20th century, we had a lot of immigrants coming from European uh, countries. We had a lot of immigrants uh, coming from Baltic countries. But what, what was happening? We had diversity in language. We had diversity in religion. We had uh, diversity in ethnic culture. And we even had, you know, stone masons uh, that may have gone to uh, bury Vermont and worked in quarries, uh, stone masons that worked building uh, Newport. Uh, we had certain uh, ethnic groups, the Irish uh, laboring on railroads, uh, building the Lawrence Dam, and they tended uh, to be a, a, not a similar community. In the 1960s and 70s, we had a lot of Cuban uh, refugees coming to America because of the situation in Cuba. And then kind of in the 70s and 80s, we've had more Caribbean, uh, uh, Haitians and, and more Caribbean countries. And then in the 80s and 90s, we've had uh, many more uh, Latin American country, countries uh, coming to America. The problem with the, not problem, but the situation with, with uh, uh, the Caribbean in the Central American countries and now Venezuela is that basically they're of the same culture. They are, are uh, Latinos, they are uh, ethnic people uh, from Central America, uh, from uh, Venezuela, from the Caribbean. They seem to have some similar culture, they seem to have some similar food, and uh, there may be a few evangelical Protestants in there, but basically they are Roman Catholic. So we're not having the diversity that we've had before. If we need to look at an immigration policy, that is much more open to having uh, more uh, uh, Middle East, uh, more uh, African countries, particularly in the top of Africa, and more Asian countries uh, sending uh, refugees uh, to the United States. And we need less of the border crossing that's happening. Right now, the Latino population is greater than the African-American population. And it's growing and growing fast. And yet, we know nothing about what's happening to that Latino population. Uh, I, I hear that when the Central American uh, people were coming from Nicaragua, Guatemala, uh, you know, Mexico, uh, wherever, uh, they have sponsors. Uh, they have uh, 
people that they say they're going to go to, uh, they give an address and, and supposedly uh, are really, they, they may be going to that address and, and uh, uh, family, but there's no follow-up, there's no checking. There hasn't been any uh, reports. I mean, we never hear about uh, immigrants once they're here in this country and what's happening to them, how they're being assimilated. Uh, we hear a lot about young men in large groups coming. We don't know whether they're staying together, whether they're settling down, whether they're having families, or whether they're remaining single and in, in groups and where they're going to. Uh, it's, it's interesting that uh, African Americans uh, are really up in arms about uh, police shooting them and killing them, which they should be. But have you ever heard of the police shooting or killing a person from Latin America or a Lat Latino ethnic background? I mean, it's got to be happening. I mean, I imagine that that the police are uh, uh, shooting uh, people that are in uh, robberies or in some uh, uh, illegal activities, and yet we never hear about it. Why? Why? Why aren't even uh, African Americans pointing out if there's injustice within the Latin community? Why aren't they saying? Uh, these people are important, uh, that they're uh, humans too. Uh, why is there such a blanket silence on this growing huge population? And why is there such a, a overwhelmingly uh, migration happening uh, over our border? I mean, if a terrorist wants to come to the United States from the Middle East, I think his best route is just to come to Mexico and just cross the border. I mean, we probably have too much emphasis on checking people coming in on airplanes and not enough emphasis on screening people that are coming over the border. If 13, uh, it's up to 2,000 uh, people a day, I understand, in El Paso that are crossing uh, the border. 2,000 people a day, you probably can, only can get their name, where they came from, and maybe where they're going and, and possibly set up some sort of court date for them to have a hearing. The, the thing about Martha's Vineyard incident and about dropping, which I thought was wonderful, dropping people off in front of Pamela Harris's uh, house, is that it has started the conversation. And we need to follow up on ideas, we need to follow up on uh, how to solve this problem. We need to have a, uh, a plan on what effect in 10 or 15 years is our allowing such huge same type of individual, same culture of people going to have on the United States. We're not at all 
dealing with it. And I think I think the people that are being left behind uh, in El Paso, and I, I noticed that, you know, uh, once the people uh, uh, from El Paso or wherever uh, came to Martha's Vineyard, all of a sudden the street people, the people that were living on the streets in El Paso, disappeared. Uh, they were housed or put up somewhere. But in these border uh, cities and towns, there is probably the most un, at least humane thing, or, or more of a uh, more of a problem, a humane problem of them being there and trying to find a living, trying to find food, trying to find a place to live, than sending the people to Martha's Vineyard. That was probably the more humane thing to do, was to send the people to Martha's Vineyard. So we have. Uh, this uh, security, we have this humanitarian uh, uh, situation in countries below our borders that we're not addressing. We don't have a plan. We don't know what's happening. I think uh, China probably has more influence in uh, Central America and uh, than uh, the United States does. We're not even attempting to solve uh, the problems in the countries that people are coming from. So I think we need to begin not only a discussion, but we need to begin to seriously try to have some sort of uh, uh, resolve to this issue and some clarity on how we're going to resolve the issue. Well. I guess I'll speak on that more another time, but changing the subject. Brittany Grinder, if I'm saying that right, Brittany Grinder, a WNBA woman basketball player, all-star. Um, she played for a team in Russia, a basketball team where she was maybe even more highly paid than the United States uh, was paying her. She fully knew that uh, uh, this type of uh, cannabis oil or uh, whatever it was, was illegal to bring into Russia, uh, yet she did it. Uh, she denied the fact that she did it. Uh, she certainly knew it was illegal. She didn't give a response that, yes, uh, I did that. No, she said it was uh, it didn't happen. And then she changed her mind and said, yes, uh, it really did happen. I really brought that stuff across the border. Now, we want people to obey our laws. Uh, why are we... Why did we so suddenly jump on a bandwagon saying that she was being mistreated and we want the Russians to release her? Uh, we don't want uh, people that break our laws, if they come from other countries, to immediately be released. She got special treatment 
by the press uh, because she was a basketball star, she was African-American, and she was married to another woman. And because of all of this together, the news media and women in the basketball area uh, made out that she was being persecuted. They, is, if, if you're, if you're African-American, you uh, make a lot of money, you're a star, and you're married to another woman, does that elevate you to a realm of special treatment that the United States should have to give up uh, a lot of diplomatic uh, effort, should have to give up a lot of money or be compromised because this person made a stupid uh, mistake. Uh, let me point out too that the woman that play basketball, right? If they really believe that she is being mistreated and, and Russia should immediately re release her, why don't they just not play in Russia anymore? Why don't they united as individuals come out and say, this basketball season, we're not playing in Russia. We're not gonna sign with Russian teams. We're not gonna, even if we play with the European team, if that team has to play in Russia, we're not going to play. You know, let's put a little skin in the game. You know, I would uh, look at this a lot more uh, uh, seriously uh, if the women and the people that are making all the fuss would would simply say, well, you know, we're not going to do this until you release them. I do agree with one thing, that the sentence of nine years for this type of infraction is unfair. And the United States should, from a point of view of having that sentence reduced, having uh, uh, her uh, treated humanely while she is serving the sentence, uh, it, there should be a diplomatic effort uh, to have her released, to have the sentence reduced, and, and have a humane treatment uh, of her serving in prison. Bipartisan Safety Community Act is a joke. Uh, this is the gun act that people are saying uh, is, is going to, re is a bipartisan effort to reduce gun violence in schools. It's not. It has nothing to do with hardly any influence in reducing school violence. Uh, it isn't, I don't know why the Democrats ever agreed to such a watered down, spend money, throw money at a problem that it's not gonna solve the problem they're throwing money at. Maybe it'll take care of some, some other stuff but it has very little to do with guns. And, you know, we hear this on the news, this great thing, this great bipartisan effort. Let me tell you about this great bipartisan effort. And I'm reading from the bill, the actual bill, if you can find it, which is difficult because it was attached to another health care bill. Uh, 
Federal Clearinghouse on School Safety Evidence-Based Practices. The Clearinghouse shall serve as a federal resource to identify and publish online th through schoolsafety.government or any successor evidence-based practices uh, for school safety by the states and local educational agencies, institutions of higher education, state and local law enforcement agencies, health professionals, and general public. In other words, they want to collect data on, on the best way to have school safety. If they haven't figured that out by now, okay, and, and if schools all over the country aren't, aren't implementing it, um, something's wrong. You know, you lock doors, okay, you have drills, you have uh, procedures, uh, you don't necessarily have uh, a special police department in a school district. Uh, the police department probably should uh, have the authority to encompass uh, school safety and not have a separate department. So, the Secretary of Education shall provide written notification of the publication of the Federal Clearinghouse on School Safety Evidence-Based Practices. So, all the school districts throughout the country and states are going to send to the federal government Clearinghouse ideas on school safety. They're going to publish a best practice handbook. What that has to do with preventing what's going on, I don't know. Other Department of Health and, and Human Service partners in the implementation of the evidence-based practice and recommendation of the Clearinghouse. Just another way of gathering data. One year after the date of enactment of this act, the Clearinghouse or the External Advisory Board established under Section 222OD of the Security Act of 2002 to review grant programs and identify any grant programs that may be used to implement evidence-based practices and recommendations of the Clearinghouse. In other words, they have no idea, they have no idea what um, to do or how to do it. And so they're suggesting you submit uh, grant-based uh, ideas and programs and some of them they'll fund. Federal Bureau of Investigation Salary and Expenses, FBI, Salary and Expenses, for an additional amount for salaries and expenses, $100 million, $100 million to remain available until expended to meet additional resource needs for the National Instant Crime Background Check System. In other words, there's this system that checks your criminal background. And so they're going to spend $100 million in improving that system. State and local law enforcement assistance. For an additional amount for state and local law enforcement, enforcement assistance, $1 billion, $400 million 
to remain available until expended. Uh, and the date to expend this money goes through 2026. In other words, it's a five-year program. And yet, you know, how they're going to spend the money or the purpose of it, right, is pretty vague. Uh, after this legislation was passed, then they will come up with ways of how to spend it. But here, $750 billion, billion shall be awarded pursuant to a formula. $200 billion shall be for grants assisted by the Bureau of Justice Assistance for the purpose authorized under the Stop School Violence Act. Whatever the Stop School Violence Act is, they're going to get, they're going to get $200 million. And another $200 million shall be for grants. What type of grants is, I guess, up to the states, to the states to upgrade criminal and mental health records for the National Instant Crime Background Check. You know, fine, if you want to update mental health records, uh, but that isn't going to uh, catch the types of individuals that have been committing uh, school violence. It, it, it's just a way of, uh, of gathering more data on uh, mental health uh, uh, of individuals uh, and criminal uh, backgrounds, but it, it, it's not directed to the type of individual that is committing those crimes. Another 250 million shall be for community violence intervention and prevention initiatives. Well, I, I hope Franklin applies for some of this money because preventive initiatives, you know, we, we probably could fund some basketball uh, teams in the community here. We probably could provide uh, for some uh, uh, school counselors, probably could provide for police officers uh, strictly uh, handling, handling and looking at juvenile cases. For an additional $800 billion for health surveillance programs and support, for $250 billion for grants for community health services, for $40 billion for the National Child Traumatic Stress Network, $240 billion for activities in service under Project AWARE. I'm not aware of what Project AWARE is aware of. Uh, and $190 billion for public health and social services. $600 billion for preliminary, for primary care training uh, of the Public Health Service Act to provide mental and behavioral health care uh, training as part of the training of pediatrics and other primary care clinicians 
who plan to provide care for pediatric population and other vulnerable populations, such as victims of abuse or trauma and, and individuals with mental health and substance disorder. Well, that's money to train people that probably are already trained. Uh, if they haven't been trained and this is money is going to new people to train in that field, it probably sounds pretty good. Uh, but uh, six, $60 billion is a lot of money, and I don't see that preventing even one necessary uh, school uh, shooting or, or violence in the school uh, that is ongoing. So that's from the Act. Um, the final paragraph is, uh, 500 million shall be for carrying out school-based mental health service grants and 500 million shall be for carrying out mental health service professional grants in addition to other amounts available. Well, thank you for watching uh, Frank's Musings. Uh, I hope it's been somewhat uh, informative. Uh, until uh, I have a chance again to uh, come and have the honor of uh, talking before you, uh, I thank you. This program was made possible by your Franklin friends and neighbors. Good folks, just like you. Thanks for supporting Franklin TV. And thanks for watching.